So I, I would say like most importantly, you know, you need to have a why, you know, um, there that's the greatest motivation you can ever have for yourself, you know, because if you if you're just doing it for somebody else, then you won't accomplish that that ultimate level that you thought you you were going to be able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I always encourage everybody that you, you need to check yourself to mm-hmm. see if this is what you really want. You know, yeah, when you're younger, you really don't know what you want, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, you may seem that your parents are, you know, putting this on you, putting this on you, you know, but if you're, if you realize you're an athlete and you, you enjoy being an athlete, then I highly suggest that you, you truly zero in from the earlier times, IQ, you know, on that sport. That's huge because when you get older, the game's too fast. You know, um, like you said, strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I if I knew the littlest of isometric stuffs, you know, back when I was younger, I probably wouldn't be as injured until a later half of my professional career. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences, while also learning from professionals, colleagues clients and you with one goal in mind how to optimize human performance this is the right place to learn how a multi-dimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire welcome back everyone to the hnl movement podcast for all the new listeners joining in today thank you for joining in to this episode and you are in the right place to hear about strategies techniques anything related to optimizing your performance. If you haven't heard some of the previous episodes, there are some great guest interviews, solo topics that I cover to really help you to, again, elevate your performance. All of the returning listeners out there, thank you for joining me for another week. If you enjoy listening to these episodes, be sure to share it with family, friends, and subscribe to the podcast. I also have been putting up video highlight clips on my YouTube channel and highlight clips are going up daily. So be sure to check that. Subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. And today we have a very, very exciting episode. And joining us today is the one and only Kanani Danielson, who played volleyball at UH and had a very successful career. And there's so many great topics that we share in this episode. We talk about her story and journey that eventually led her to play professional volleyball in Japan. And Kanani shares with us a lot of aspects that will help us to push harder, inspire you to do more. And she shares a lot of the obstacles that she had to overcome as well. Without taking up any more time, let's jump straight into this episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement Podcast. Today, we have a very exciting episode, and I've been looking forward to this for a long time because we go way back all the way till I first started as a volunteer student athletic trainer. And we have none other than Kanani Danielson today. So thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to everything that we're going to share today. Super excited. Yes, and no introduction needed. You had a historic career at UH and went on to play professionally and we're going to get all to that in this episode today but before we do that we're going to try to jam-pack everything about your story in this episode so we're going to try not to waste any time and let's get straight into share a little bit about growing up and how you found volleyball and what other sports did you play growing up too okay so yeah I would say it's since I was little like maybe 
actually from baby time once you learn how to walk and stuff because my mom used to play in the bank leagues when that used to be a thing Um, and I would be that kid that would be against the wall with the the halii on the ground with all the toys and literally while my parents are playing I'm I'm on the side and then as I get got older then I'm the one hitting the ball against the wall like just watching whatever that my my parents are doing and any kind of tournaments or that my family's part of I'm always there so I I was that typical gym rat you know I'm always in the gym but uh, my first sport actually was uh, softball because of my mother um, she actually grad from Lilihua so during those times Bobby Sox was huge right Um, and my grandfather her dad was one of the coaches so softball was huge in our family besides volleyball but softball 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 so uh, by the time my mother got into the flow of volleyball it wasn't until high school mm-hmm. but that that boom that became her, her her first love like it was always softball and then boom out of nowhere volleyball so that's kind of like how it started with me my mom put me in bobby socks first mm-hmm. and then um i don't know if you've ever heard of the i mean it's in manoa the mgac okay yeah so my grandpa the same one uh actually decided to put me in there because they had the different sports okay so i had uh softball volleyball and basketball as my three that i was always a part of uh, just so i can keep busy Mm -hmm. um and my grandfather is the sole reason why i was very much into sports Mm -hmm. uh because he definitely was practicing with me after school uh just anything anything i wanted to do he always would be there to practice and he did the same thing for my mom Mm -hmm. so it was it Unfortunately, he passed away when I was only 10 years old. So imagine where we could have been at mm-hmm. if he was still with me um, getting to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's okay because my mom was the next one to step right in there mm-hmm. to help me along the way. So right after the MGAC of the three, I realized softball wasn't my thing. Uh, yeah. As we got older, I think a lot of it was the pitcher was starting to pitch legit because, you know, <laughs> with the younger ones, it's the coach tossing, right? Yes. So I'm like cranking home runners. I'm like feeling cool, <laughs> loved first base. But then after we got to the actual pitching, I was like, ooh, not for me. Got it. So for a while, it's always just been basketball and volleyball. I mean, till this day, I love both sports. Mm-hmm. I love to play both sports. Mm-hmm. But as we got up to um, high school, my parents sat me down and said, hey, you need to figure out which one you want to pursue to get a scholarship. Mm-hmm. You know, so literally um, right when I got to 12s, they, um, my parents didn't really know that there was club volleyball, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, they definitely were informed by a family church friend. Okay. So from there, um, oh, the Satellis. Got it. Uh, so Chantille, mm-hmm. that's why we go, we go way back. Yes. Um, uh, we both grew up in Word of Life Christian Center, mm-hmm. uh, the church. So um, definitely, you know, we whatever that they had in mind is because they were in the volleyball world way mm-hmm. sooner before mm-hmm. I even knew club existed. Yeah. So I was at the MGAC side, you know, where things were a little bit more easier and, mm-hmm. you know, tailored for everybody to do well. Uh-huh. Um, but the competitive world, club ball, everything was more introduced uh, when I got to 12 years old. And and then that's how things kind of progressed in the club world. Got it. I mean, that's typical in Hawaii, right? We're typically around sports, even if it's indoor court sports, you know, year-round playing sports with family so that's how people get started and we try all these different sports when we were growing up yes. and i think that helps us in more ways than we realize especially yes. when we hone in on our specific sport but i do always ask the question to the younger athletes because 
okay, we saw what you've done as an outside hitter. Right. And, I mean, relatively for Division One, you're a shorter outside hitter. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But you definitely make that up with your jump, everything else, volleyball right. IQ and all of that. But growing up, were you always on the taller side? Were you someone that had a later growth spurt? Or did that factor into the decision to play volleyball and basketball, I guess? Besides your passion. It's a great question. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I was like in the middle. Mm-hmm. I didn't have, I wasn't the tallest. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely wasn't considered short. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a little, um, I guess, hard to even know what mm-hmm. should be my choice of sport because I started to realize how basketball school and club volleyball started to mm-hmm. uh, mix. So that was starting to become a problem mm-hmm. time wise. And then, but honestly, I started off as a setter. Oh, okay. That was my first position to try out. So I wasn't, out of all of the amazing hitters that came out of my uh, era, I was not raised, I was not in that realm of learning how to hit like them. It. So it took me a very long time to uh, not perfect my hitting skill, but just to even learn. Got it. Uh, yeah, so I started off as a setter, and then um, that was middle school. And then by the time I was, I met... Uh, uh, Coach Deb, he mm-hmm. so for jammers. Then I started to become a hitter, and then it kind of just took off from there. Got it. What position do you play for basketball? Uh, basketball, honestly, I stopped more in like middle school. So okay. I, I, who knows where they just threw me wherever? Because I <laughs> mean, it. I was usually just fast, so I just got through it and. I could have been, remember height-wise, so I, uh-huh. they either had us at the post, they had us at the guard. Like, yes. I mean, I could do point guard, but I'd rather just be one of the forwards. But God. yeah, I mean, it was so much fun, even though I fouled out a few times. But because I would go <laughs> over and jump, like I didn't realize my bounce was considered an overreaching when I went to rebound. Yes. So that was like interesting. So that was my next question, and you kind of brought it up there. Were you always someone that naturally could jump? Was that one of your strong suits growing up, even from middle school? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't realize, because I wasn't a hitter yet, of Mm -hmm. the mechanics to be doing that. So Mm -hmm. basketball was the only thing I could realize that, you know, like how we do a slide for volleyball, doing a layup. That was pretty much like my only ways of realizing how high Mm -hmm. I could jump, Mm -hmm. you know, and then learning how to hit and realizing uh, what I could do as I got into high school was, Mm was fairly interesting as we incorporated weightlifting. So you did do weightlifting and strength and conditioning in high school, and you started to get more serious into volleyball now. Like you said, you kind of decided which area you want to focus in on, yes. right? Yes. Talk about that learning process, because this is, actually, I hear it commonly, but it's the misconception that people think, I need to specialize super early, like as a super, at a super young age mm-hmm. in order to be successful or reach you know, your potential. Right. But there are a lot of people that do specialize and get a later start. And sometimes it's not even till high school, right? Mm. But talk about that learning curve, I guess, and what you thought really helped you to get to where you needed to be later on in high school and right. into the recruiting journey. So honestly, for me, it it really was because of the will I had to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was raised where, you know, have goals, have standards, mm-hmm. but once you reach that, set a new one. Mm-hmm. So like once I realized that I really enjoyed volleyball um i was one of those kids that actually enjoyed getting the reps Mm -hmm. you know um practice 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 i am in the gym getting it Mm -hmm. so you know it came easier for me to correct things Mm -hmm. or to understand my body but i just didn't have the right understanding until i got older from the different coaches that came in my life to understand like hey because 
I mean, realistically, I was very shy and quiet back then. I didn't say, you know, what I felt. I just wanted everybody to be happy. You know, I I didn't really speak what Kanani wants. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I kind of went with the flow most of the time. So I wasn't really my true self of understanding what I'm capable of until I got to the college level. Got it. Yeah. Got it. How much of the outside of the volleyball practice in court, how much of the strength and conditioning and other things did you do to help to give you the physical skills in volleyball during high school? Because you mentioned that you did some strengthening. Yeah. So back in the day, there was no such thing as isometrics and, you know, oh, let's just only tailor to this, this and that. You know, Mm -hmm. everything was the Olympic powerlifting, Mm -hmm. you know, where you only knew how to do power cleans, clean snatches. You know, you're Mm -hmm. in the weight room where it's just the typical barbell. And, you know, yes, you're not supposed to lift heavy, you know, at the time. But at the in high school, we were already doing little things like that. Mm And then uh, because I was already committed to UH, I was able to learn how to work out with the, with the college kids at the time oh. during, because of club, mm-hmm. you know, and we were able to work out in there and just oh. get a familiarization of what, you know, it's going to be like for college. Got it. That's actually unique that you got exposed to that, you know, that early, I think. And that does help to, it buys you more time and experience, I think, in yes. the weight room because that... It's just like volleyball, right? If you don't have those reps, you don't have the experience, then, mm-hmm. you know, nothing can really replace that. And the same thing goes with strength and conditioning, taking care of your body, going through all of these experiences. Now, when you, let's rewind a little bit. Did you play Vars all your high school years? Or what was that like for you? So it was very, like, annoying and frustrating at that time because I transferred. Okay. From, I my middle school was at Word of Life um, okay. Academy. At that time, it was a school. It's no longer a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I transferred from an ILH to an ILH, they sat out. me out my freshman year. So I still tried out, but the only position they had for me at the time was to be a manager. Okay. I could not do anything. I could practice, but I just never could put on the uniform Got because it. of that little technicality from mm-hmm. middle to high school, which I still don't understand to this day, mm-hmm. you know, because the level of play was different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's what um, was a little bit different because um, as I saw that year, we didn't win uh, states. Punahou did. Okay. That was the last year uh, for Anelli. Okay. right okay. so she was amazing everything mm-hmm. and i was like man i wish i could have played against yeah. her because by the time i was able to play she graduated, she graduated. you know um so i mean it's funny story how the world you know works you because ended up playing with her so yes we ended good. up to be great teammates uh-huh. you know down the road for uh mm-hmm. yes so talk about that a little bit how did your high school career progress and we'll get a little bit more into the recruiting whatever you want to share and what that experience was like for you Okay, so when I was at Kamehameha, uh, they have a crazy, crazy PE program. Okay. So what everybody does not understand and realize is that the Kamehameha kids, you know, has an intense PE program that they have to do besides their actual sport for the school. Yes. Like Punahou, I'm only speaking of it because I coached there for mm-hmm. later, that they can use their sport as a PE credit. credit. Mm-hmm. Whereas for Kamehameha, no, you still need you to do You have to do, do like some crazy runs and yes. swims. And- <laughs> yes. So I, it was either you run or you swim. So okay. I'm not a swimmer. Of course, I'm going to run. But this is also my, I didn't get into Kamehameha until my freshman year. Okay. So I'm a new student, new everything. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So freshman year, you have to run a 10K. Okay. Sophomore year, biathlon. 
<laughs> yes, yeah. you actually have to swim, right? <laughs> and then junior, senior, another for 10K. Yes. So uh, my freshman year, I actually fainted during my 10K run. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that and some of the other things that you have to be aware of too, right? Yes. Later on. So, yes. And then, okay, so you, you go through all of this conditioning. I'm sure it translates over to conditioning for volleyball in some sense yes long distance running yes uh-huh. the aerobic lifestyle mm-hmm. yeah that definitely mm-hmm. paid a toll for the volleyball world especially knowing that i only had to run a certain amount of distance <laughs> yes definitely better than basketball for sure yes and as you got further along in your high school career explain how your skills and how that kind of progressed so a lot of it was club ball. Club okay. is very important. I will always enforce that, that mm-hmm. you, you know, you can only do so much in high school. The timeline is so small mm-hmm. and you're, you know, you're not teammates for very long. Whereas mm-hmm. club ball, you have an array of months together. Mm-hmm. You know, you build that morale, that personality, and let alone you're with the coach, you know, that mm-hmm. you feel is going to get you where you need to go. Yep. You know, so I'm 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 all for, you know, making sure that anybody who chooses the sport, they want to use that as a scholarship opportunity Mm -hmm. that you're doing the club ball as well. Got it. How did all of those experiences, how did the recruiting journey, when did that start for you? Um, You were getting a lot of exposure. So explain a little bit about that and the process that you went through through the recruiting recruiting journey, but also to make your decision eventually. Right. Yeah. So um, I've been through a, a lot of clubs um, as I grew up from middle school into high school. And mm-hmm. then um, it was actually really um, overwhelming my sophomore mm-hmm. year. That's when we um, started to get a lot of letters in the mail, you know. And I mean, my freshman year it was already decided that I couldn't try out for the basketball side um, because we already made that decision that we're mm-hmm. just going to solely focus on volleyball. Um, and, you know, back then there was no... Uh, video, you know, where you can, yes. you know, post this, highlights this, this, this. Everything yeah. back then was you had to personally mail it in, mm-hmm. you know, no or social media like how it is now. Nothing. Twitter, nothing. Yes. Yeah. Not one flicker of, you know, here's my TikTok watch. You know, like <laughs> yeah. your highlights had to solely come from the games you played. Mm-hmm. And what was rough for us back then, Hawaii players, you know, the college coaches weren't coming down mm-hmm. to come watch us. We mm-hmm. always had to do fundraisers to go to trips the tournaments yes so it was a lot for our parents to ask of them to always come up with the money for us to go to trips like Mm -hmm. you had to it was an automatic you had to at least go to two Mm -hmm. besides the actual summer trip that everybody knows Mm -hmm. that we're you know to plan for but before Mm -hmm. that you know two big trips one Mm -hmm. to qualify for the summer trip Mm -hmm. and the other one just to get recognized from all the college coaches Mm -hmm. so it was very very um you know, for me, I was huge on I got to not only do my best for myself to get recognized, but I also need to make sure that my parents money didn't go down the drain, you know, because they put a lot into, mm-hmm. you know, what I saw my dream as. Mm-hmm. And that was through volleyball. Mm-hmm. So when did the letters you said sophomore year started to come through? Were there any, I guess, front runners or what were you looking at to for college ball or for your school or what kind of setting and environment that you want yeah so uh, because i was the oldest i was definitely the guinea pig and um uh, my stepdad went to college Mm -hmm. and he actually played at uh as well Uh, but my mom didn't so it was a lot of it of um 
you know, first time, first time, first time. So, I mean, I'm getting all these letters and I don't know half the schools, the majority of the schools, other than the big names, the UCLA's, the Stanford's, the USC's, um, Washington's, you know. Um, but um, actually in, in my in a, um, in my journey, I also was doing USA volleyball stuff. Okay. So besides club ball, besides school ball, you still go ahead and do USA tryouts. Okay. And if you make the team, then you go, you have to do that during the summer as well. Got it. You know, so you're jam packed, busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but through the USA program as well, that really helped um, being in front of college coaches because they were the ones doing the teams. Uh-huh. So I was able to catch a lot of eyes at that time as well, even though it wasn't uh, my first first experience. I was only on the A2 team okay. um, and that was based out of Colorado. And we did a lot of camps, camps, camps. Then okay. right after that, I made the A1 team from then on. And we, we didn't necessarily travel, but we were always um, doing tournaments together. Mm-hmm. And one of the big ones was in Florida. Okay. So that's where, and it was actually at the University of Florida. So okay. we, we met Mary Wise and everybody. So it was kind of like a recruiting trip uh-huh. in our eyes because we got to be on campus and look, yeah. look, look, look. Uh-huh. Um, so when their mail came in, I was like, wow, like I could see myself there. I really love the campus, mm-hmm. you know. And then I thought, ooh, it's East Coast. So even more am I willing to make that choice for myself or do I seriously want my family to come visit? But I don't know if that they can do that financial wise mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll probably be able to make one or two, you know, but I want to see them more, you know? More, yeah. So and that's, that's how I made my decision. God. Bottom line once, even though I, yeah, I, I did have a lot of letters, but I already karate chopped anything that was Midwest and on. Um, so that God. included the Penn States, the, uh, any of the Texas ones, um, only because I, at that time, mm-hmm. uh, I just couldn't see my family spending that much to come watch me play. Yes, and you want to play in front of them too, you know, as a yeah. as a player. So, but that is that's a big reason I think that most people factor into the equation, right? And was it always your dream, or when did you realize the dream? Like, I want to play at a big time school or bigger conference right not so much of a smaller conference Mm. was that as soon as these letters came in or even from before that did you always was that the goal to play at a big division one school i think that it wasn't necessarily like a dream it was just Mm -hmm. more of what program did i find that was suitable for Mm me Mm -hmm. Uh, and i would watch all of the top schools who would make in the championship so of course stanford and usc to see any of them mm-hmm. you know try to recruit for me that's huge you know like um but i'm, I'm a very humble person so mm-hmm. it's not like i was boasting about it either mm-hmm. you know so nobody knows that yes. you know th- this these opportunities are coming yes. through but so a lot of my decision making was just with my parents so mm-hmm. even more i we don't know how to go about it and you know we don't we, we're not gonna just fly to all of them and look yes. at the campus mm-hmm. you know because i made my decision of uh, going to uh before my senior year because usually your senior year you get a paid trip to go out to your mm-hmm. um to have that recruiting visit right yes. so everything before that that's out of your pocket to go mm-hmm. visit places mm-hmm. so the only times that i got to see campuses was because our tournament our volleyball was tournament around was around that area. So UCLA was a, another big one mm-hmm. um, that I went to, which was beautiful. Everything lined up. Uh, University of Washington, UW was another yeah. big one. And that was amazing, too. So it was really hard making yes. my choice. 
And that is one thing that I will definitely say, knowing you for this long and, you know, working with you in the grind of the season and stuff, you are very down to earth, very humble. You don't talk about all of these things. So I know it's even out of your comfort zone now to kind of think about, okay, what was all all of these deciding factors or influences? But the reason why I bring this up too is any, any school that offers you, I think all of the athletes are very appreciative, right? Right. But then it's almost like kind of, not the greatest situation too it's in a negative way it can be when you have too many offers how do you actually decide right Right. and that's what i want to kind of dive into next is okay so talk about briefly what's factored into your decision of deciding to play at home Mm -hmm. in front of uh right and i'm sure looking back on it now in hindsight you wouldn't have traded any of that playing in front of all of the local fans you know the volleyball support here in the community is great right but talk about like when you were in high school looking back what factored in into that decision to choose uh and see that that was the right fit for you okay yeah so um like i was saying like because of the club uh, trips um my parents would take me to our whatever college that we were allowed to visit at the time mm-hmm. and then honestly it kind of spooked me here and there when they're asking for my SAT scores, you know, because I was like, oh, man, so early, like we didn't even take it, (laughs) you know, and and for me, I didn't see myself as a great test taker. So I think that was a huge factor that would kind of scare me. Like I, I didn't want to choose Stanford or USC Mm because I know they were very high on school. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I'm, uh, I'm not great in academics because that was definitely made, Mm -hmm. my parents made sure, like they Mm -hmm. literally told me if I don't have good grades, I can't play. Mm -hmm. So obviously that coincided together. Mm -hmm. So it was just a little bit alarming for me at the time that, you know, if, if a school was just very much high on the school side, Mm -hmm. but I'm focusing still on my sports Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm going to struggle. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like how I was making my decisions that, mm-hmm. you know, even though I knew some of the big time players and these and the Stanford's, you know, they're always in the yeah. the finals, yes. you know, but, you know, school was a big factor, you know, like, am I going to be able to qualify and make it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and then at the same time, my, my dad was like, hey, I need you to make your top 10 list, mm-hmm. you know, then from top 10 to top five. You know, but you got these coaches calling you, you know, and they're like, hey, do you think I can have a decision? Hey. And then the pressure sets in because Mm -hmm. they may throw in there that somebody else is also fighting for that spot, Mm -hmm. you know, that we only have a few scholarships open. Mm -hmm. So you need to make your decision by blah. So, I mean, a lot of that was really, really hard to um, decipher of what I wanted because generally everybody had a great opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then people just assumed, oh, she stayed at home because she's going to be homesick. That was never the issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could have easily went away and been uh-huh. completely fine. I'm, I'm an independent person uh, growing up and stuff. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But what's wrong with playing for your family, you know, yes. your family, your friends? And to know that we have the best fans in the nation, mm-hmm. like, wow, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, the truest factor besides me uh, deciding to go to UH2 is because my club coach was my assistant coach, Mike Seeley, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it was just the way the times that it worked out that he came to UH mm-hmm. and then he took over the club team. Imi Ike was uh-huh. the name. And um, he honestly just really opened up my eyes to the volleyball IQ world, mm-hmm. how I deliver my skills and how do I apply what I've learned in club and to keep transitioning. Got it. Yeah. And then you did end up uh, committing. Was it verbally committing as a junior? to uh or 
Before your senior year, you said. Yes. So. Yeah. Because okay. we still had to sign. We all signed at the same time for the national letter of intent. Uh, so I believe it was, should have been my junior year because, yes, by senior year, I could, I was able to just freely enjoy my Kamehameha sports and club. Yes. You know. And looking forward to the next chapter. And you did end up going to UH, playing four years there, no red shirt, right? No red shirt. And before I get into that, let's talk about any... You know, growing up playing volleyball year round too, that does take a toll on your body, right? Yes. But let's talk about, did you have any, I guess, significant injuries that kept you out for a while while you were in high school um, prior to UH? Did you experience any major injuries or no, you were pretty healthy? Um, the only thing that was nagging for me was my jumper's knee. Okay. Uh, a lot of it starts to play its toll because as an outside hitter, everything is, you, I mean, you can't help it. You were going to land on your left more and more and more. Um, then you actually will land two feet, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like more towards my my senior year of high school was when I really started to have that kind of aggravation. Because before that, I I could do whatever. I could play here, uh, next day play there, work the out <laughs> the youth. Yeah. Yes. And then you have to start to do the things to take care of your body a little bit more, especially when you're playing more volume, more intensity, higher levels, right? And this is actually how I first met you so you didn't know this i just told you this before we started recording yes but the little backstory for everyone listening out there is the very first day that i volunteered in the uh athletic training room as a student i still remember i wasn't even dressed to volunteer i was dressed in like regular school clothes (laughs) walked in the athletic training room and renee who's the volleyball athletic trainer was like here why don't you help kanani with her rehab and you just i think had a minor ankle sprain if i remember correctly yeah I looked at the sheet. I was like, sure, I know nothing about an ankle sprain rehab. But then you were so nice. You're like helping me navigate and thinking, oh, I think this is what I've been doing or this is what I've been doing. But that was really the first time that I got to meet you. And then, of course, I worked volleyball for a year and a half or a little longer too. And then saw all of the things that you did, the work ethic, you know, how you led the team, all of these kind of things. So let's talk about college first and talk about minus you know aside from that ankle sprain right was there any other serious issues that you had to battle especially i guess towards your later years because mm-hmm. that's when i wasn't working as closely with the volleyball team right yeah so definitely um the ankle my left ankle was a bummer because um that was going right into our preseason game mm-hmm. so i was like really bummed about that but right after that um was usually knee the yes. knee was always an issue um the shoulder um my here and there the swings can you know wear and tear but at that time renee would just do this amazing you know rehab program and stuff and all of a sudden i have all of these uh yellow bands and stuff that i have to it's pretty much glued to me because i have to do routine. i mean like i can't stress enough to players that I talk to mm-hmm. that it's all you need to prepare yes. your warm-up very very much you can't just go and play you yes. know like the youth that you talked about <laughs> yes. like that thing will bite you in the butt <laughs> by the time you get to college uh-huh. you know uh, especially the wear and tear that you didn't realize you were doing your whole year yeah. you know if you were just doing school ball and then you went to college that'd be a different story mm-hmm. but if you're constantly being an athlete year-round yeah. and you're not aware of the wear and tear that is building up without you doing these little mini muscle mm-hmm. um enhancers 
Yes. Then you're stuck in rehab. Like I hated rehab. I'd rather practice, but Mm -hmm. I have to sit there and do rehab, which is like the smallest muscles (laughs) and everything with Renee and you. (laughs) And then I'm watching everybody have a great time (laughs) in practice. So it's like nobody wants to be Mm -hmm. injured, Mm -hmm. you know? And that that's so true you want to be that's not the end goal i think for any athlete we want to play our sport but anything that helps you to stay on the court right and be proactive with your body yes that's where you want to be you don't obviously if unfortunate unforeseen injuries happen then you have to take care of that but as much as possible try to give yourself the best chance so that we don't get into the situation where you have to backtrack a little bit and address all these underlying issues and i think that's what you did really well considering with how much volume you were you know training and playing volleyball and everything that you were doing not only throughout the season but even in your off season as well yeah now one thing i'll let you kind of share because actually this isn't my area of expertise that much but (laughs) you can share about the way that you have to cool during volleyball or physical activity and i'll let you kind of take the lead on this so it's super complicated to explain to people who don't understand Mm -hmm. that it's definitely not anything to be called for like nobody knows how Mm -hmm. to label it Uh, but i do not for some reason i will overheat when i'm in a high intensive kind of exercise Mm -hmm. volleyball is is a is a as a i guess a it is pretty high intensity. An example, yes. yes. So let's just say at the beginning, we're just peppering or anything. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am sweating. Mm-hmm. Okay, the moment we start doing like rallies and, and games and this and that, all of a sudden, for some reason, I don't sweat. Mm-hmm. So I, all that friction, transition, blocking, everything, I'm getting heat, I'm getting hot and overheating. And I feel like I have this huge like capsule over me. Mm-hmm. The heat's not releasing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I don't watch out, I can get up to 104. Yeah. And um, what people don't realize is that I constantly, during games, during timeouts, I have to try my best to cool back down mm-hmm. with just the simple cold water with ice yeah. and, a, and, a, and a rag. Yes. Like there's nothing more I can do because we play indoor. Mm-hmm. I can't put everybody else at risk because I'm like getting the whole rest of the court wet. Yes. Um, so it was very hard to find solutions. And there were different pills and stuff that maybe we could try, but that mm-hmm. would be a potential red flag if it mm-hmm. was to pop up during a drug test. Exactly. You know, so it was very hard to know what was the issue. Mm-hmm. I went to a bunch of doctors. I did um, all the EKG, everything, my heart, mm-hmm. everything was fine. Um, mm-hmm. But when they did the... Uh, lab tests of knowing what kind of sweat glands I had. I had both, but they're very tiny. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they're like, it could be a neurological thing. So I mean, here and there, all I heard was, you don't know. So yes. the only way I could provide myself uh, a solution to keep playing what I love to do mm-hmm. was just have a cooler yeah. with the water, ice, Your and ice a towel. Yes, my ice towel. And, you know, this is interesting. And I, I mean, thank you for sharing all of this, because it's the things that Every athlete has their own obstacles, whether that's physical, mental, you know, anything that goes on with their performance. And for you, was this something that you experienced even in high school? Yes. Okay, so it was for a while and you kind of were finding ways and solutions to actually help to cool your body. Because for those that don't know, so if your internal temperature gets to like 104, you're like in heat stroke already. Yes. And this is where you need to be rapidly cooled before you even go to the hospital. Yes. Otherwise you could die, you know? And obviously you were monitoring it for long enough where 
you know, we didn't even let it get to that close, right. but you knew the severity and the potential. So this is one of the things that I remember too is, you know, not only the ice towel and trying to cool you down, but actually the whole season, one of my responsibilities was to get your game ready. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And yes. then game ready, if you don't know, it's a, it's actually ice and compression. Yeah. Um, but the unique thing about the game ready is because the unit is flowing cold water continuously yes it keeps that temperature versus if i just put ice on you the ice would be melting rapidly right, right. if you're really hot so the game ready kind of keeps this cooling system and allows you to use it in intermissions timeouts and all of that right and with the vest too i guess the compression it doesn't it doesn't hurt because it is you know kind of getting things moving right. getting some compression getting some venus and you know everything going back to your heart so it's trying to cool you faster right but the funny story that i will add here kind of going off on a tangent is that the thing is air compression and the cooling and one of the times this is completely my fault eric when you listen to this you know i apologize again but <laughs> i was the one i was trying to move the unit getting the air out and then i popped the game ready vest and the game ready vest is probably around like 200 300 dollars a lot <laughs> as yeah. a student and i was like okay well well you know i i popped the vest but the cooling still works so that was good but talk a little bit about the actual finding ways to try to cool you down as fast as possible at timeouts in between sets intermissions yeah. and what did you experience as the athlete well what everybody doesn't realize is that the i call it my heating problem because it definitely hindered me being at the best at my top level mm -hmm. uh, because i will be working out with everybody tip-top shape and everything but i will definitely look like the first person who is tired mm -hmm. who is drained and it could have been just running you know a set of suicides mm -hmm. and you know and i gotta make sure i'm cooling down so um yeah i start the first time was uh when i brought about our 10k that's when i fainted from there on mm -hmm. boom all of a sudden i needed to because before that it, everything was fine with mm -hmm. my multitasking of sports after that i had a heating issue and you know at Kamehameha schools that was all we had was the cooler we didn't have a game ready like mm -hmm. college so it was, it was pretty cool how things progressed <laughs> to have solutions uh but at the time it was all i'm just underneath um the um right over the cooler and i'm just drenching stuff so i'm like wet and soaked and everybody's like oh my gosh i mean like even for my club days um whoever that my teammates were one of those excessive sweaters and they were like oh my gosh like i have to change my jersey every time i'm like yeah, that must be nice you know because <laughs> yes. i'm like completely dry yeah. you know um so honestly the only way that would help me was to be feeling that immediate sensation of cold water um the only other option to was to make sure like even during timeouts was that I had like even ice packs, you know, and my, mm -hmm. whoever, like my mom, even at the tournaments, bless her heart, she was literally squeezing water, even though the, it, the place is AC, she's frozen yes. and she's doing whatever she can to cool me back down. And what helped push me over to finish games was just my heart. Like, Hey, we got, I want to win. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to, please don't sub me out because mm -hmm. I got this. I, I know how far I can push myself, mm -hmm. you know? So as I'm going into college here, all of a sudden is a game ready. I'm like, wow, game changer. Mm -hmm. You know, this is great. And I was so thankful for you guys. Cause you guys would know when to turn it on. Cause we're about mm -hmm. to hit a technical timeout. Mm -hmm. You know, we're about to hit TV commercial uh -huh. or inside the, the intermission. Mm -hmm. We had 10 minutes. Right. So I know where to go with that. My vest is right there. Right when I there. sit on my bench, 
boom, I took off my shoes. I'm soaking yeah. my feet in the in, in the cold coolers, mm-hmm. you know. And honestly, my favorite, one of my favorite stories is a. Um, besides cooling myself down and I have no energy, right? Mm -hmm. So my other thing that people didn't realize was I was scarfing down some form of sugar. So I had, yeah, Gatorade. I had M&M. I had, um, I even had this chocolate cake that I had from earlier. Like I'm just scarfing things down because I'm trying to get some sort of energy to help me finish out the game. Um, So that's, that's been really rough um, to handle. And I just only can imagine how things could have ended up if Mm -hmm. that never was an issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but even regardless of you pushing through these obstacles and adversity and, you know, being able to perform, obviously you you know that, yeah, I probably could perform better if it wasn't an issue. But just all of the things that you did with the circumstances, I mean, I don't know anyone else that would do the same thing. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I like how you brought that up too, because behind the scenes, I guess the best way is for me, it's almost like we're immune to that because that's what we do you know we're all behind the scenes but kind of when you explain it and i hear it back these are things that most people don't experience right it's like every little second if you have a minute and we waste 30 seconds of that it's like that's 30 seconds that you're probably not going to be able to perform on the court as well so every second counts and then like you said understanding when the the, how the game flow is going to go the timeouts the tv timeouts getting everything set you know that's all crucial to help the athlete perform and I'm not saying that, you know, the support staff needs to do that all the time. But even for the athlete, you were proactive. You knew like, okay, this is what I need to do mm-hmm. to make sure that I bring my body temperature down. And that is something, like you said, I don't think anyone else will understand, even us included, until you're actually in that. Yes. To be pretty much playing a volleyball game, max effort when you're overheating. I mean, yeah. just think how challenging And no AC, sounds. like high school-wise. Yes, no, no AC. No AC at no. all. So I come, to, I come to UH and then we realize game times, you actually have AC. And I was like, okay, so that helped me that last because back then we only did best out of three, right? Yeah. Then get to college, it's best, best out, out of five. five. So, I mean, it really played a toll that we had technical timeouts. We had intermission. And then on top of that, AC. Because our regular practices in gym one, no AC, which I heard now. They have AC. Oh, I see. I didn't even know that. Yes. <laughs> all the gyms got AC now. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. But back Where then. Where was that when you were there? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So, like, back then, no more AC, which is why we had morning practices. Yes. So, that everybody kind of was, like, mad at me because I'm the sole reason why we had to do morning practices. Are you sure? Yeah, because okay. if not, we would have always had afternoon. I mean, we could Got do it. some mornings, but it was like we had to do morning, like yes. early morning, because a lot of people have morning classes. That's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I was like, sorry, everybody. Like, well, you guys got it out of the way. Yeah, like, even, you know how nowadays everybody has, the, they love the long sleeve uniforms? Oh, yeah. We weren't, right? Yeah. And, yes. like, I even was willing to, like, I think Mike did try his best to get it approved of to have only mine cut. just to do whatever he can Mm -hmm. so that's why I mean a lot of things I was so appreciative that they Mm -hmm. tried their best to keep things cool for me I even wanted to get the you know those cool little we wanted to try to get that approved that Uh that's considered jewelry so Uh, yeah yes well you know thanks so much for sharing that because I'm sure that not many people know even your teammates or anything knows the actual experience they know that you have to cool yourself but you know to the extent of how you have to cool yourself that is something interesting to hear and maybe there's other athletes too that listen to this that have a similar problem right right? um in whatever sport they're participating in but moving on i do want to get more about your uh career cool and specifically i mean everyone knows 
what you've done there we've saw you play i don't know one day we got to look at the record book i know you don't care about any of the individual accolades but i'm sure you're in the top five probably for most statistics but anyway anyway let's talk about what are some of the big things that you've learned playing at uh throughout your four years well i know one of the hugest things that you have to understand if you play at uh is the fan base is amazing Mm -hmm. So if you're one of those that don't know how to play for the crowd or, you know, you're shy and, you know, you're going to be overwhelmed with the amazing, loud, you know, the volume and the spirit, the energy, you know, you got to sign stuff later, you know, make sure you say your thank yous for coming. The aunties is still so cool that the aunties are still doing that with the lays, Uh you know, um, you know, that's one of the biggest ones that I tell everybody that that's that is definitely genuine about UH Mm -hmm. is the fan system is without a doubt amazing. Like Mm -hmm. even till this day, I I still have a few people who recognize me and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, never kids, though. Oh, my gosh, irrelevant. They were too young back then, but too old. (laughs) Yes. But like the old timers, it's it's Uh so it's it's great, you know, um, and because there's no professional teams out yeah. here, UH is pretty much the team to watch, yes. you know. Um, so and then on top to be able to play for Dave, you know, because mm-hmm. Dave retired mm-hmm. not too long ago. But, you know, not too many of us players, you know, can truly say you're from you're you're from Hoy mm-hmm. and you got to play with Dave, mm-hmm. you know, um, it was, everything was iconic at the time when, you know, all, there's only certain schools that have the same coach forever and ever and ever. And UH was one of them, mm-hmm. you know. And then when you step into the arena, you know, you realize that you're no longer the fan that's been mm-hmm. watching, mm-hmm. you know, because I was that kid that came to watch Kim Willoughby, Kim, yes. Kam- you know, like Kanoi Kamal back then. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then even going through the lockers, because I knew some of the uncles that, you know, worked the stand share. Uh-huh. So there was a one time where I was I got to go downstairs and I watched the Lauren Duggins pass by and I was just like, I didn't know what to do. But I was like, should I get an autograph, you know, but then when it was my turn and being in that environment to be able to say that now that's me on the court, that's me looking up, not down, you know, um, that even though I'm super tired after game five, you know, that I still need to make sure I give my thank yous to whoever that's still outside, you know, so it's. Hawaii is just different. Yes. You know, um, I could have, yes, I could have went to anywhere in the, in the nation, Mm -hmm. but I chose home Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I don't regret it one bit because I have something that will always stay, Mm -hmm. you know, um, think people won't, people down here won't know what you did in the mainland. Yes. You know, um, they will get to see it nowadays, maybe through social media, Mm -hmm. you know, if they look on a website, but Mm -hmm. people actually see what you did Mm -hmm. home here because they can watch it live yes and that is a special place to play and be in you know in whatever capacity that place like you said it's electrifying when you know all the fans are there it's a packed crowd and you know good games close games any games really the fans always show up now thinking back you know to this career maybe we're dating dating you and ourselves a little bit more but long time ago during your four-year career what were some of the best memories i guess that you remember that stick to you stick with you to to this day uh, well one of my favorites was uh battling against washington my freshman year you know um it was just 
the funniest thing because we weren't supposed to get to game five. Everybody mm-hmm. thought we were going to go down in three, uh-huh. you know, uh, but to battle and battle and Amber Kaufman, you know, with her amazing aces that she had that yeah. time, you know, and for us to push through it. And, you know, it was pretty cool, too, that I had the, the game ending kill, mm-hmm. you know, and it, my mom told me that my auntie from North Carolina was watching the game on okay. on the was it online? Yeah, it was online. But then right when it got to the fifth set, it just shut off. <laughs> so she was like panicking and texting my mom. What's going on? What happened? Oh. Is the game over? Did everybody leave? Not realizing that we won. Yeah. You yes. know, so that was one of my best uh, memories uh, at the time. And even to be able to play because the uh, libero at that time is uh, mm-hmm. was Tama, who okay. is now the assistant coach at the for USA Volleyball. They okay. just won gold, you yes. know, to so be to be able to know that a lot of those players that played it in, uh, against in college too, mm-hmm. some of them, um, it's pretty uh, amazing that it's like, yes, at that stadium, yes. we played against the greats that are now representing our nation. Yes, it's crazy. And you had so many things in your career that not only players at UH, it's a rare, I guess, experience, but anyone in the nation. So you've got to, you know, you got to go to the final four, right? And you've got to experience all of these, these other things in your career, I guess, all the successes. And, you know, I would say that that was one of the stronger teams that Hawaii has ever had, maybe, you know, um, the year that you guys went to the final four. So great team. All of those things, I think it's things, no one can take that away from you. It's always going to stay with you forever. And, you know, you'll always remember all these great times. And if you look back to, what were some of the obstacles, I guess, for you personally? Because all athletes, you know, there are things that you have to fight through, you know, hard times that helps you to grow. So what were some of the big obstacles maybe in your college career? I'd say for sure it was multitasking. Okay. Mm-hmm. People don't understand. I mean, not people, student athletes do not understand that the lo- the workload from high school to college is way different mm-hmm. because you're not just being a student athlete. You also need to learn how to manage your time outside mm-hmm. of your studies, outside of your athletic side. And what is your free time and what are you doing with your free time? Mm-hmm. So like what I highly encourage everybody nowadays is to please understand that you don't have a choice to um, not show up to practice, to not show up to class when you get there. It is expected, you know, especially if you're on scholarship, you are being watched like a hawk, you know. And, you know, it was really, really hard thinking that you're supposed to make all of these hours for for school side Mm -hmm. that you have to be in study hall. Right. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, Renee's having me make sure I come in earlier to prep. Yes. You know, for practice, I got to tape ankles. I got to or before that, I have to go ahead and warm up, you know, um, you know, put the heat packs on. Even after practice, I need to come in and ice. I need to stretch. So, you know, the the fans just see our performance, Mm -hmm. you know, but what goes in day in, day out as a student athlete in college Mm -hmm. is crazy overwhelming if you're not prepared to take it on. Yes. And all that behind the scenes and like you said, effort that goes in to be able to perform you guys are really like putting in time like a professional athlete yes it's just more jam-packed throughout the day and you have classes on top of that you know Mm -hmm. a professional athlete and we'll talk about that in a second because you got to play professionally in japan right it's like that's just your job so now take out school take out all of that focus on your job and yes it's still a long day yeah but you don't have all these other things that you have to time manage or multitask Right. right and Thinking about all of that, I think, you know, being in the spotlight really at UH, right? right? Because I would would argue that even though Hawaii doesn't have a professional team, 
volleyball is different here than other places in the u.s yes meaning that volleyball is probably in the fall especially it's just up there with football i mean i think you have just as strong of a fan base for volleyball as we do for football you know even in the prime of when the teams are the best so you getting to experience some of that the limelight you know media attention attention from the community right when you're going out that's what all the uh athletes experience that probably has helped and prepared you professionally right because now you're kind of in a similar way but on a bigger scale right you know more eyes are on you right so talk about that a little bit after you graduated from uh you know taking nothing away from your career we could have other follow-up episodes about everything (laughs) you've done at uh but after you graduated first let's talk about like how did that opportunity present itself to play in Japan and what made you choose, you know, where you wanted to play and what leagues right. uh, offered you, I guess, opportunities? Right. Mm-hmm. So honestly, everything came down to if I could graduate uh, on time okay. uh, because my original major kinesiology, like mm-hmm. you can't really finish in four, you yes. know, especially as an athlete, there's no chance because you're, mm-hmm. you're missing classes due to practice or travel, mm-hmm. you know, so I had to get out of that via a loophole, right? Uh, interdisciplinary studies you can do that and you can I can still carry a lot of kines classes Mm -hmm. graduate with that so um, that was my main thing I wanted to graduate on time because I pretty much realized I wasn't going to come back to finish school because I was so focused on playing Mm -hmm. I wanted to be that player that could play volleyball forever kind of Mm -hmm. uh, opportunity but Mm -hmm. if god forbid I got hurt Mm -hmm. you know I had a fallback I had a degree you know so that was my game plan and then um I was going to wait till I graduated, then figure out where I was going to go. But I was already being summoned to go play in Korea uh, in January, which is the spring semester, going into me graduating. So technically, I could have been gone already from January if I wanted to, but I wouldn't be able to graduate. So that was where that was kind of tight on decision making. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to become a professional player like that. Mm -hmm. So I shut that down. And then out of nowhere, Dave comes up to me and said, hey, the team from Japan is looking for a player. You should go. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I didn't think I was going to play in Asia because I heard a lot of different things that yeah. Asia wears you down body wise okay. as a professional player. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I was looking more towards being in Puerto Rico or uh, Europe, actually. Mm-hmm. But then when the Japan uh, offer came up, I said, why not? You know, yes. which kind of blew my my whole college uh, language courses because I took Spanish and I was like, <laughs> oh, I should have took Japanese, you yeah. know, Um but yeah, that's pretty much how I got to that opportunity to play in Japan. Okay, so you went immediately right after you graduated. No, 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 oh. no. So actually, the season didn't start till October. Okay, but that, that year that you graduated. Yes. Got it. So this is where talking with a lot of the former athletes that or volleyball athletes that play professionally, I realized that even in the U.S., volleyball players don't really know how the international leagues work. And touch on that a little bit. So. From my understanding, what I heard, you know, from people. Right. The Japan League, they have to have so many Japanese people on the court. Yeah, you're the only foreigner. One foreigner that can play in the lineup at a time? No, the whole team. You're only allowed one foreigner. That's for Japan. Okay, I have so many questions, but we have to save some of this for next time. But let's talk about the first thing. Just because I've been to Japan, Mm -hmm. I will be completely honest. Because I am Japanese and I look Japanese... When I go to Japan, people just assume that I speak the language and I don't speak any Japanese. Right, that's so they'll fair. start to just speak fluent with you and I'm like, 
I don't understand anything,、right. you know. And then they realize, okay, there's a language barrier.、Yes. So I fully understand what that's like. So talk about that in volleyball, especially, right? How was that transition, especially with the language barrier, you、yeah. know, on the court? Yeah, it was rough because、um, they did provide me with a translator,、mm-hmm. which、uh, we're still friends to today.、Um, but she was a、um, a normal translator, so she wasn't a volleyball savvy lingo kind、yeah. of person. So by the time she translated what needed to be said from the coach to me, the timeout was over.、Yeah. So if I had something to say back,、um, you couldn't. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. So my first year was rough.、Um, But the but my teammates were so like willing to teach me Japanese,、oh. you know. They were like, "Oh, I want to teach you. This is what ni my san my like." That was my the the greatest accomplishment I could truly say is I connected with my team,、yes. my teammates, you know, especially my setter because she's setting me the ball, especially my、uh, libero and my other outside hitter, you know, because some. Um, even though yes, just like the rest of the world, they actually take other languages.、Mm-hmm. In in Japan, it's it's just like us where we we take a language, but we're not we're not graduating to be fluent. Yes. So、exactly. a lot of my teammates were still Japanese only.、Mm-hmm. With like a few high hello,、mm-hmm. you know.、Um, so it was the by the time I got to my second third year in Japan. We created this like by、um, like broken English and broken、yes. Japanese lingo to survive. Yeah. Yes. So how did did you actually pick up enough Japanese to conversate, like even outside the volleyball court? Uh, I would say my third year, yes, enough, you、Got、know.、It. But the second year was more of I know what they're talking about. Yeah, you know, I just was too scared to say、yes. anything because I didn't. I never ever want to embarrass myself that I pronounced、mm. something wrong.、Mm. But thankfully,、um, all of my teammates were saying that they appreciated that. Of the culture that I came from, because they understood、yeah. my pronunciations. Because、mm-hmm. the foreigner before me had a thick、um, Western accent,、yeah. so when she tried to speak Japanese,、yes. they barely understood. Yes. So they appreciated when I was trying. And that's probably the biggest positive about going from Hawaii to Japan is there is a lot of similar exposure that we have down here, even、yes. with pronunciation. Although you can tell that we're not fluent, but you know you can at least. Figure it out、yes. phonetically, like sound it out how it should be said. Right now, ta- thinking about the Japan experience, how was the volleyball transition for you? Easy, easy. Yeah. So、uh, volleyball, like any other sport, the u- the the universal language of what the sport is、mm-hmm. was perfect. You know.、Yes. So, I mean, talk about like a lot of of arm. You know, with my coach. Yeah. You know, he knew I was talking about spiking. You know, and yeah, I would、yeah. try to like say like Nimai for two blockers. You know how.、Yeah. Cross, you know, like so. I mean, it was a lot of it was, you know, a lot of body language to get by,、mm-hmm. you know.、Um, but then when you play, it's just automatic. Obviously, that's the hitter, that's the spiker.、Mm-hmm. You know, the game plan, the game flow. You know, obviously, that person was watching the whole game prior because now they know how to stop me here.、Uh-huh. You know, so I mean, what you see in college transitions to the professional world. You know,、um, it's just now you're on your own. That's true with everything, right? Just being able to get by because you have the same volleyball IQ, I guess, or、yeah. similar, you know, concepts down. Now, if for for the listeners, you know, maybe any future young athletes that want to play professionally and they're, you know, thinking about all these different areas in the world, I didn't even know Japan had a volleyball league. Until I heard that you were going to Japan, so you know, like、right. we just don't know, right? Right. Try to give people a basic. Picture of what the 
Japan League is like? You know, like how many teams? What's the season like? Is right. it similar to here? The length of the season and all of those details. Yeah. So um, honestly, there's eight teams. I was on the top top league. There's different leagues, just like how baseball and football, mm-hmm. where you know where there's different leagues. But mm-hmm. the top top league, there's eight, okay. and out of that eight, you know, each team is only allowed one mm-hmm. foreigner. Mm-hmm. You know, and the there's no rules where you know the foreigner has to play. They yep. just that's just what they're allowed, mm-hmm. you know. But everybody pretty much needs to be Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so as you're playing, and then you know, realizing the fan base there, yep. it's crazy because you're literally a celebrity there. You are dealing with fans who love the game so much. There is no such thing as heckling there. Oh, okay. Yes, you know, and very the, different than the US. <laughs> super different. Yeah, yeah. No, they 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 respect everybody mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. that even when it comes to cheering, there's a designated time for this for this fan base to cheer on their team. Got it. Vice versa, the next time out is supposed to be the other, the team. other team. Yeah, and they practice. Like we we heard that a lot of times they meet up some at another time, mm-hmm. so they make sure everybody knows the song. That's a Japanese thing, I think. Yes, yes. yeah. And then they're outside um, after the game's over asking for autographs. Mm-hmm. And everybody must know in um, Japanese, you know, there there is no such thing as signing uh, horizontally. Everything is vertical, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I'm over there trying to, you know, make sure they get my whole name down. And then my teammate comes out of nowhere and she just goes, do, 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 like in her kanji name. And I'm like, that's it? Like, yeah. that's your whole name? Yeah. You know, and I'm over there, like, wasting my time on, like, and so after a while, my, my signatures got ugly because I was like, oh, there's so much to do. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's quite amazing of the, the when you're a professional player and you're mm-hmm. a professional player in Japan, that like mm-hmm. you are definitely uh, celebrated there, mm-hmm. no matter what sport you're playing. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, it's nice to know that if they give you gifts, you can actually receive it. Because uh-huh. at the time for UH, uh, yeah. for college, you can't, you're not allowed to no, do that. Yes. You know, yes. so that was always cool. My teammates that's been playing forever because they're allowed to play from high school. Mm-hmm. You know, that's accepted to play yeah. pro from, you know, younger time. Yes. They have like roses and bears. I mean, like, cause they got some like crazy fans that yes. like follow them. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's a different, it's, it's a, a different, different scene. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So what was, how many years did you play in the Japan league? And was Three. it the same league? Same league, same team. team. Yeah, which is usually unheard of because usually they only keep a foreigner one or two years tops. So I was very, very blessed that I was able to stay for three. And what area were you in or where did you... So I was in between uh, Tokyo and Osaka. Okay. Yeah, so I was in um, Nagoya area, like Toyota town, because I played for Toyota Autobody. Yes. Was that the team name? Yes. Toyota Toyota Autobody. Mm -hmm. Oh, got it. Yes. Yes. I remember seeing pictures of your uniform and... Toyota everywhere, right? Yes, because that's and, the team. And the first thing is like, oh, do you? Did they give you a car? And I was like, no, everybody. <laughs> like, I got to go and and actually see how the cars are made. But oh, that's cool. yeah, they they didn't. They felt like the professional player was very precious to them, mm-hmm. so we weren't allowed to drive. Got it. Yes. Oh, that's interesting too. <laughs> yeah. So no driving, no chance of accidents, and all of this. No chance. <laughs> yes. And if you talk about like the season. How was that on like just the physical demands of the season? You did mention that they bought your game ready, right? To continue the, yeah. the ritual or the routine that you had. But how was the demands of the season professionally on your body? It was a lot. To, yeah. It was a lot because they, the season started in October, but you pretty much need to be there from like August, September, mm-hmm. you know. And then um, there's these two big important tournaments, one in December and one in um, the summer, like May, before I oh, can come home. May. Yes. 
So we're talking like a club season for the professional world. Mm -hmm. Um, And what was really, really hard for me as a uh, player was that we actually was being demanded to do our best five potential five gamers Mm -hmm. Saturday and Sunday. Got it. So we're practicing, practice, practice, boom, play Saturday, Sunday. You still got maybe a practice session on Monday and you only get one day off. Got it. So, I mean, it's the constant, like, wow, like, I got to do whatever I can. My teammates are, the next day, they're running on the treadmill, burning off whatever they feel like. And I'm just like, don't you want to just rest? (laughs) Yeah, nope. They're getting reps upstairs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you name it. Like, it's just, you eat, sleep, and breathe volleyball. Yes. Yeah. That was Japan, though, because Europe Mm -hmm. is, that's a whole nother episode of where you can, other athletes can tell you it's Mm -hmm. a whole different ball game. You're having Mm -hmm. the time of your life. Whereas Japan is business. Very regimented. And I think that's how they are, even from like um, high school sports, right? Yes. Very regimented. And they're jamming in as many hours as they can. And that's just part of the culture. I mean, you almost feel bad for them because it's like, I call it prison because that's the best way to describe it for everybody. Uh That the Japan community, they dedicate their lives solely to volleyball. Yep. And solely, solely, it's like the parents have no say. It's all whatever the coach says. Mm-hmm. So they got buzz cut, like, you know, the oh. shortest of haircuts, like yours, literally, you know, <laughs> for high school. And then yeah. they can grow it out for college. Oh. High school, I mean, uh, pros, but they cannot, like some teams, like my team, cannot color your hair, can't mm-hmm. paint your nails. Oh, got it. You know what I mean? So yeah. like in Brazil, you can do whatever you want, wear yeah. jewelry, you know, but Japan, everything is. Like uniform, like almost everyone's the same player. Yes. Yes. That's interesting to to hear too, the experiences. And I'm sure that you can go on and on and I would love to hear more. But let's talk about, to end the episode, because I know you're really busy. And by the way, congrats on your daughter, Thank right? You. Just yes. going to make a year pretty soon, pretty I believe. Soon, so yes. you've been very busy and I know, I know you're super busy running around throughout the week too. So I don't want to keep too much of your time. But all of the experiences that you've had, you know, everything that you've done, from thinking back to when you just started club volleyball, right, at a young age, and all the way to playing professionally in Japan. For any of the athletes out there that maybe have these goals in mind, or anyone that's just trying to just do a little better, perform Mm -hmm. better, like you said, set these goals, once you achieve them, set new goals, right? right? What are some of your things that you share to young athletes, to anyone that's looking to really try to achieve more right what are some of the things that you hold true to you that have helped you throughout all these throughout your journey but also can be words of wisdom to the younger generation yeah so i I would say like most importantly you know you need to have a why Mm -hmm. you know um there that's the greatest motivation you can ever have for yourself you know because if you if you're just doing it for somebody else then you won't accomplish that that ultimate level that you thought you you were going to be able to accomplish mm-hmm. you know so i i always encourage everybody that you you need to check yourself mm-hmm. to see if this is what you really want you know yeah when you're younger you really don't know what you want mm-hmm. you know and yes you may seem that your parents are you know putting this on you putting this on you you know but if you're if you realize you're an athlete and you you enjoy being an athlete then i highly suggest that you you truly zero in from the earlier times IQ, you know, on that sport. That's huge because when you get older, the game's too fast. You know, um, like you said, strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I I knew the littlest of isometric stuffs, you know, back when I was younger, I probably wouldn't be as injured until a Mm -hmm. later half of my professional career. You know, half the reason why I had to stop my pro life was because my heating problem and my body wear and tear Mm -hmm. really start to pay a toll, Mm -hmm. you know. um, 
And I would just keep encouraging everybody that, yes, mental health is real. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's very, very um, time consuming on the brain, on the mental side of knowing that if you're doing the right thing, are you making good choices? Are you not embarrassing yourself or your Mm -hmm. state or your nation? Uh, But what push comes to shove is if this is your love, this is what Mm -hmm. you want, Mm -hmm. uh, then you will make it. That is a great message, and you know, I could, we could talk for hours and hours yeah. more. Have way, you know, follow up episodes to this, but one day we might have to do a follow up. But I would encourage, yes, for all athletes, no one else can find that why for you. Right. You have to understand what your true reasons why, and this is not for someone else, not for your parents, not for, you know, your coach that wants to see you elevate to a certain level right it has to be you have to do it for the right reasons i think for yourself and once you do that again like you said just keep working keep plugging along and that's gonna eventually get you to achieve more than you can more than you realize that you can right exactly but overall i mean great story thank you for sharing some of the details of you know your career and some of the injuries and obstacles that you had to overcome. And for me, I truly enjoy every episode, but for this episode, because we have that history of working together, it's especially, I can relate to every step along the way that I've seen you grow and do all of these miraculous things. So, but thank you again. Any last words, Kanani? No, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Yes, this was great. Thank you so much. Yay. We'll catch up more often in the future for sure. Yes, yes, yes.